0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So today is the last week of our series For the Love of Others. We've been in a series for five weeks, and we're making the conclusion today. And today we're going to look at the last half of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. And if you have your Bibles or devices that you look on to follow along, I just encourage you to open that up and, and follow along with me today. Paul has been on a the common theme throughout chapters 8, 9, and 10. And one of the main subjects that Paul has addressed is the, is the idea of eating meat that has been offered to idols. For, some, for us, it's, the subject doesn't really seem very relevant because it's not really a specific issue that we relate to in our culture. But in Paul's day... I'll tell you right now, it was a hot topic. You know some of the hot topics that we have in our day, some of the big discussions that we discuss with our friends? This was one of those hot topics in Paul's day, is, you know, do we eat meat that's been offered to idols? Um, and so Paul continues this to reference this subject. And, um, and I, now it's important for us to understand, because I want you to grab a hold of this. I shared this before, but I share it again as a reminder. In Corinth, it was common... Uh, For meat sacrificed to idols to be sold in the marketplace, to be sold at the grocery store. When you'd walk in there, there'd be, you know, uh, meat that was being sold. And you didn't necessarily know if it was meat that had been sacrificed to idols or it was meat that hadn't been sacrificed to idols. Uh, They didn't have the FDA requirements that we have today. And so there was no disclosures on the labels of the product. It wasn't, hey, is this farm-raised salmon, or is this wild salmon, or all the other things that we have. So the question regarding eating meat was sent in a letter to the Apostle Paul by the believers in Corinth, and Paul had tackled this difficult question really from both sides of the argument. Is it okay to do so, or is it forbidden to do so? On one account, the false gods are not real, so if you're not directly involved in offering the sacrifice, then... Really, you know what? There's no sin in it, okay, if, 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 if you're not involved in the sacrifice part of it. However, if you eat the meat that has been sacrificed to idols, knowing that it will bother someone who is with you, then you should refrain from doing so for their sake. Um, after all, the whole idea of the sacrifice of the idols is really an idea that the enemy has brought in to distract us from worshiping God. So why would we want to participate in something like that? So those are the arguments that Paul has, has shared with us, with us. And in verses 23 and 24 of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes these words. He says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. So he's referring to a letter that the believers in Corinth had sent him. And he's answering these questions. He says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good but for the good of others. And this brings me to my first thought that I want to share with you today is seek the good of others. Seek the good of others. This is what Paul wants the church in Corinth to understand. Life is not all about you. It's not all about your rights. We live in a culture that, man, it's all about our rights. Paul's saying, no, it's not. It's about others. Some of the believers in Corinth were stating, I'm allowed to do anything. Because they've discovered this wonderful forgiveness of God. They've discovered this wonderful grace. And they're making their man, I'm allowed to do anything. And Paul's challenging their thinking. Because they weren't tempted by these, to serve these false gods, it didn't bother their conscience. It wasn't causing them to sin. And because of God's grace, they felt like they had freedom from these restrictions. But Paul's rejecting this thinking of freedom from restrictions. You've probably heard the quote, freedom is not free. We live in a country where we know that freedom is not free. We've had many people who, who have given their lives for the freedom that we enjoy today. In a spiritual perspective, spiritual freedom came at the price of God's Son dying on the cross for your sins and for my sins. It wasn't free. There was a price that had to be paid, and Jesus, the Son of God, paid that price for you and for me. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 20, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus wasn't thinking just about himself. He was thinking about the world. He was thinking about others. Paul's ultimate desire for the believers in Corinth is to think about the good of others. You know, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I just want to think about myself. Come on, let's just think. Sometimes I want to be selfish. Paul says, don't be selfish, think about others. Stop thinking about what you Some of you have that FOMO, you know, thing, fear of missing out. Stop thinking about what you're missing out on and think about how your actions might affect the lives of others who are trying to serve the Lord. Paul states in verse 26, he says, "For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it." Paul's quoting a very popular scripture that's found in Psalms 24 Verse 1, and it's quoted throughout Scripture. And Paul is stating, he, Paul's going back and forth. It gets really confusing as you read the Scripture. If you have been reading along with me uh, in your own time? You can see how, man, Paul's writing sometimes, Peter says, sometimes these, Paul's writings can be confusing, but they're accurate. You just got to follow along. Paul is stating, eating meat is not the concern because it all belongs to God. We don't want to all of a sudden figure out, man, man, eating meat is bad. No, no, everything, everything is created by God. So there's nothing wrong with it because it's part of God's creation. The concern is, how does it impact others who struggle with idol worship? What are you willing to sacrifice for the love of others? What in your life are you needing to put down so that someone else might be able to have a better time in following Christ? What are you willing to put down so that someone else can experience the love of Jesus because you're getting in the way of them finding Jesus? Can you imagine last... Sunday, because we don't understand this whole idea of not eating meats, sacrifice dials, but last Sunday, man, we had a wonderful time. If you missed out, sorry, that FOMO thing, you fear missed missing out, you missed out. We had a wonderful pool party. One of our attendees at the church opened up his house, and he, he catered in uh, barbecue. Oh, my goodness. If I was there, and all of a sudden... I, I'm living in Paul's day, and all of a sudden I find out it was sacrificed to idols, and I can't eat that meat. It would have been a real issue for me, I'm telling you right now. I mean, that was the best tri-tip I've had in a long time. It was so, so good. I've shared in previous messages, if we were some, with someone who's addicted to alcohol, then let's give up alcohol so we can, don't cause our brother or sister to sin. If we're someone who struggles with gambling, let's not invite them to the casino to have breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Let's, let's be sensitive to people's needs. If someone is addicted to shopping, let's stay away from the malls, okay? <laughs> I threw that in for Andrews. So I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. But joking aside, sometimes we can take this whole idea too far if we're not careful because each person still has a responsibility To make the choice to build a relationship with Jesus. But as followers of Jesus, we do have the responsibility to help others follow Christ. We are called to be the light. We are called to be the salt of this earth. Amen? We are called to be an example. Verse 24 states, Don't be be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. And the ESV translates that, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of your neighbor. And I can't help when I read that, I couldn't help but think about the wonderful story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus shares uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. And um, it was a religious leader that Jesus, or actually in the Gospel of Luke, it was a religious leader that that came up to Jesus and asked how he could inherit the kingdom of God or how he could be saved. And and Jesus asked about the commandments, if you remember the story. And and he said, I've done all these things, because he asked him, you know, keep the commandments. What do you sum up all the commandments as? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he asked this question, and this religious leader, he was an expert in the Mosaic law. And then he asked this question to Jesus Says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responded to the question with one of the most famous parables in the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan, which, by the way, people outside of the Christian world, many have heard this story of the Good Samaritan. And the story Jesus tells is about a man who's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's all of a sudden beaten up and, and uh, by bandits, and he's left on the side of the road for dead. Remember the, does that, How many remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus then introduces three characters to the parable. The first two characters, one is a priest and one is a temple assistant. And as they walk by, they walk by separately, but as they walk by, they know God's commandments. They know that there is, a, there is a law of God's love, that they should have stopped and helped this man that was beaten and robbed, who was left for dead. But instead of stopping, the priest walked right on by, the temple assistant, instead of stopping, he looked, he crossed the road, he walked right on by and left the person to die there on the side of the road. Then all of a sudden, in the next part, Jesus introduces a different character, and this character is a Samaritan. And it was the Samaritan who stopped and showed compassion and love. He went out of his way to help this Jewish man who had been beaten and robbed. It was the Samaritan who fulfilled the second law that Jesus commanded, to love your neighbors as yourself. In the story, Jesus was making the Samaritan the good person. Jesus is making the Samaritan the hero of the story, and that would... And 100% that would have bothered this Jewish lawyer because in those days, the Jews detested the Samaritans. The Samaritans detested the Jews. There 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 was a racial issue there. But one of the truths that Jesus is sharing in this story is this. What are you willing to do for your love for others? Are you willing to make the sacrifice it takes to love others? Do you know it's not always easy to love others? It's not always easy to love that neighbor that keeps coming over to your house and say, hey, you know what, your, your garbage cans aren't exactly a foot apart from each other, and they need to be a foot apart. Otherwise, it really is very difficult for the garbage man to be able to pick. And you know, they're, It's hard sometimes to love others. But the Bible says we're called to do it. It's a second commandment in the Bible. Love others, even the ones that you don't like. You don't have to like them, but you've got to love them, okay? There's truth to that. Are you willing to let the love of Jesus shine through your life? This is what Jesus was sharing in this, and this is what Paul was telling the people of Corinth. It's not always easy, but let's seek the good of others first. In the next few verses, Paul addresses the subject. How do we engage in our community if we have all these restrictions, Paul? If we have all these restrictions that we cannot eat meat that's been offered to us, how do we engage into the community? And Paul writes these words. Verses 27 and 28. He says, If someone who isn't a believer asks you over, uh, you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without re- raising questions of conscience. But, some, but suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of the consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. Paul wants us to get into engage in our community. We shouldn't separate ourselves from those who don't believe in Jesus. We want to shine God's love to others. And we can't do that if we're reclusive. We can't do that if we go into hiding. We need to be out in the community. Amen? But in our engagement with our community, we should also be aware of the, of the faith of others who might struggle in certain areas of their life. And this is all that Paul's trying to communicate. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. Everyone has different struggles. Each and every one of you sitting here today has a unique story. Every one of you. None of our stories are alike. We all have unique stories. And our sensitivity to others is important. So we should engage in community with wisdom. That's the second thought I want to share with you today. Engage in community with wisdom. This means being sensitive to the situations that are around you. Don't purposely offend someone who is a non-believer, don't go out of your way to try to offend a non-believer, but also don't use the freedom you have in your faith to cause another person to stumble. Let me share a side note, because I think it's really important as we walk through this message. This sensitivity is for non-believers that Paul is talking about, being sensitive to others, trying to please all people so that people can find salvation. This sensitivity that Paul is talking about it that we should apply is for those who are non-believers and for those who are truly trying their best to follow after Jesus. Um, But this, this does not apply to religious hypocrites. People who try to apply a moral compass to your life while they live a life of sin... We're not called to be sensitive to them. And I want to share that because sometimes we, we get this mixed up. Jesus addressed this issue with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 9. He says, remember, Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees because he, all of a sudden he started eating. He, he went to Matthew. Remember, Matthew was a disciple. He went to Matthew. He said, come follow me. Matthew was in his tax collector's booth, and Matthew followed him. Matthew was so excited about following Jesus, he invited Jesus over to his house for dinner. And it says in the Scripture that, not only did Jesus come, but a bunch of Matthew's friends came. And they were fellow tax collectors. And the scripture says they were disreputable sinners. All of them were there. And the Pharisees all of a sudden saw Jesus who was eating with this, this group of, within the community that they didn't respect. They thought they were all sinners. How could this rabbi, Jesus, eat with these disreputable sinners? And Jesus knows what they're saying. And he starts to call them out for what they're thinking See, Matthew was just excited about the invitation to follow Jesus, and he wanted all of his friends to know about it as well. If you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus loves sinners. He loves them. Jesus hung out with all types of people. Many who were religious leaders, considered sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, adulterers, Samaritans, lepers. So many people that they didn't think were of God, Guess what? Jesus loved them. Because remember, what was Jesus' purpose? He came to save and to seek those who were lost. In Matthew 9, Jesus responds to those religious leaders who were criticizing him. He says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's remember the one group of people that Jesus displayed no sensitivity to were the hypocritical religious leaders. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus called them hypocrites. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus called them a brood of vipers. Brood of vipers. By the way, that's not a good term. That's a bad term. For some of you kids going, hey, brood of vipers, that's awesome, man. That's cool. No, no. Jesus was, was saying they were evil. Jesus did not treat most of the Pharisees with understanding and compassion. He was harsh with them because they were practicing evil under the disguise of religion. We are called to be sensitive to those who... We are not called to be sensitive to those who are prideful and arrogant and who look down on others because they feel righteously superior. Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We're called to love people. Paul is speaking about being sensitive to those who don't know Jesus, to those believers who may struggle with issues of the difficulties from their past. Let's be sensitive to real needs, not judgmental attitudes. Some people are not weak in their faith. I want you to catch this thought. Some people are not weak in their faith. They are, po- they are opposed to the truth. And they want you to compromise God's truth for their evil desires. Paul is not talking in these scriptures to give way to evil. We are never called to give way to evil. I just want to clarify that as we share in these scriptures. Because Paul says, I want to try to do all things for all people. Not when it comes to evil. Everybody on the same page with me? Paul ends this section of his letter with the following verses, and I want to read these to you today. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And then let me read verse 1 of chapter 11 because it really belongs to chapter 10. And let me just finish with this verse. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul summarizes everything down to this one simple truth that you can apply to your life. I want you to apply this to your life this week. And really we should apply this to our life all the time. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do. All for the glory of God. If you are working, work for God's glory. If you are serving, serve for God's glory. If you are weeding the yard, weed for God's glory. I didn't say use weed for God's glory. I said if you're weeding the yard. Just another clarification for our culture today. And if you don't know what weeding the yard is, come stop by on a Monday and I'll point out weeds around the property. We can figure that out for everybody here today. But think about it. Paul has spent considerable time talking about eating meat. Why? Because he wants our actions to glorify God. He wanted the people in Corinth, all their actions, their attitudes, everything they were thinking, he wanted them to glorify God. In all we do, we are called to glorify God. And this is why we should get up in the morning. When we get up in the morning, the first thing we should think about, how can I glorify you, Lord, today? What can I do to make... Make your love shine through my life in a way where people will see your love, Lord. How can I be a reflection of your glory? How do I glorify you today? Our vision statement for this church is creating environments to see what God can do through you. We want God's glory to shine through you. Let me say it again. Our vision statement is to create environments to see what God can do through you. We want God's glory to shine through you. In verse 32, Paul states, don't give offense. This is not the typical meaning that you might think to us who are offended or who might offend someone. It usually happens when someone's hurt or upset or something has been done. But the definition of, and I'm going somewhere here, the definition in this Greek means don't cause someone to stumble. When Paul says, don't be an offense don't cause someone to stumble. Don't be an obstacle that gets in the way of someone all of a sudden experience the love of Jesus or someone who is trying to follow Jesus. Don't be that obstacle. Ultimately, Paul's desire and heart is to see as many people saved as possible. Is that your heart? Is that your desire? What did Paul, right? I try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that, here's the key, so that many may be saved that's Paul's key Paul's not seeking his own advantage in a situation because his ultimate desire is to see people saved our mission statement here is the church i talk about the vision statement i seldom talk about our mission statement here at the church and that is to reach and empower people with the grace and love of Jesus Christ to reach and empower people with the grace and love of Jesus Christ that's our mission if we're not doing that then we're missing the mark amen this is why we do what we do. We want to see people saved. We want to see people touched by the power of God. This is why Paul states in the previous chapter, in, verse, in chapter 9, verse 24, he says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Let me ask you a question. Who is your favorite sports team? Go ahead, just, just yell, shout them out. Who's your favorite sports team? Do I hear any? Cincinnati Reds. I did hear a couple Seahawks. If you don't know, the Seahawks are my favorite team because I'm from Seattle. But, hey, whatever your favorite team is, that's awesome. Root for them. We're fans of them. But for a moment, I want you to think about the star player on your team. And if you don't have a star player, I'm sorry. (laughs) Adopt another team and think of a star player on on another team. But let's say this: your star player at the end of a game, on the very last play of the game, has the opportunity to win the game. If it's in football, maybe the wide receiver is wide open and he sees and there's no one within 20 yards and he has the opportunity to throw the ball to win the game. If it's in basketball, someone's already down, there's a fast break, he sees them, and all he has to do is throw the ball to that person who's making the fast break, and, and they're going to win the game. If it's in hockey, you know, there's a wide open pass, all they have to do is pass, and they're going to win the game. But all of a sudden, this star player who has the opportunity to win the game, he has the opportunity to throw the Ball down to the wide receiver that's wide open. But instead, he thinks, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do it on my own. And he he makes a choice to run the football on his own. And there's just nowhere to go. He's tackled. And you lose the game. Instead of thinking about what's best for the team, he was thinking about what was best for him. You would be irate. I would be irate. I still remember losing the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots on that last play of the game. It still haunts me at night. I have nightmares about it. I wanted everybody to be fired. But it's what happens when we only care about ourselves instead of about caring about others. Afterward, can you imagine afterwards in the post-game interview they are asked, Why didn't you pass the ball? Your teammate was wide open, and the person would reply, because it wasn't what was best for me. Can you imagine? Were you hearing that? The owner of the team would hear the interview, and immediately he'd put him on the trading blocks. This guy is God. I don't care if we don't get anything. Just get him off my team, because he doesn't have the best interest of the team in mind. Paul cares about God's team. The apostle Paul cares about God's team. God's team is the most important thing in his life. There is nothing more important than God's team. He's willing to sacrifice anything and everything to build the kingdom of God. It's all that matters. When you serve here at South Coast Christian or wherever you might serve, when you teach, when you give, you know what you're doing? You're helping build God's team. You're building the kingdom of God. You're sacrificing time and money to invest in God's kingdom. It's why we're willing to give of our time and money. Because guess what? It's not about me. It's about building God's team. By the way, it's not your money. It's not your time. That was given to you by God. It's all God's. You're only stewards of that. It's not yours. It's God's. He's entrusted you with it, and with the more that he's entrusted with you with it, by the way, the more responsibility you have. As a pastor, because I've been entrusted to lead a church, I have more responsibility. I have to take that seriously. Let's not forget that important truth. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus shared the parable of the talents and how the one servant was afraid to use his talent. I've shared the story before here. He was afraid to use his talents, so instead of upsetting the master, he thought, well, it would be better for me not to, he's just was selfish. And so he just buried his talent. He didn't think about others. He just buried his talent. When his master came back and found out he had buried his talent, he didn't use it for any good, the master caught, said, you are a wicked and lazy servant. And he took the one talent that he had given him, and he gave it to the one who did the best with the talents that was given. He gave it to the one that had more. Why? Because, guess what? God wants the best for his team. And we should have that same desire as well. We want the best for God's team. It should be a reminder in whatever we do, let's do it for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul in verse 1 concludes his teaching by encouraging the Corinthians. Follow his example of living just as, as he follows the example of Christ. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The Bible invites us all to a higher standard of living. A standard not focused on self, but a standard focused on sacrifice. A standard focused on loving God and loving others into the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is trying to communicate. What are you willing to do for the love of others? Are you willing to make sacrifices for others so that they might enjoy God's love? What are you willing to do? I want to just declare to you today, you're all part of God's team. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you made a choo- choice to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're part of God's team. Now think about how, what's the best way for me to be successful on God's team. Not for me, but for God's kingdom to be successful. What can I do? That's what should be in our heart at all times. That's what Paul is declaring to the Corinthians, And I believe that's what the Bible declares to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. Your word, Lord God, is powerful, it's effective, and it changes lives. I thank you today, God, that I'm a part of your team, that I've been serving on your team. I know sometimes I'm not the star player, but, God, I just pray I'm I'm doing the best I can to be effective and to make a difference for, Lord God, the kingdom of heaven. And, Lord, I pray for those here today that maybe have never made a decision to be a part of your team. They've never said, yeah, I want to I sign up and be a part of God's team. I pray today in their hearts, in their minds, in their life, Lord God, that they would make that decision. If you're here today watching online or if you're here today with us live, I just want to give you that opportunity. Um, at any point, you can say, man, I'm tired of doing this thing life alone. I'm tri- tired of being my own team. I want to be a part of God's team. That's what I really want to do. And if that's you here today, I just encourage you to well, You can say this prayer. We're going to say this prayer all together today because I just feel like it's, it's important for us to do so. If you want to be a part of God's team, all you have to do is ask Jesus into your life. Make a decision to follow him. And guess what? You're part of the kingdom of heaven. It is life-changing. It is life-changing to be so. I ask that you just pray with me today this prayer, everybody here today. Lord Jesus, I want to be a part of your team. Change my life. Forgive me my sins. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. Help me to make a difference. Let your power shine through me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. How many you are glad you're part of God's team today? Amen. Awesome. Thank you for being here today. Will you stand with us? We're going to worship today as we conclude. Thank you for being a part of South Coast Christian. Come back next week. We'd love to see you once again, and uh, God's going to do, continue to do great things in and through your life. Make a commitment this week. What can I do this week to glorify God? What can I do this week? that God's glory will shine through my life. Find that and commit to that and watch what God will do through you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.